Welcome back to the It's You Test World podcast. It's been a minute, but we're here. Woo. We made it. We're still alive. Myself, Tom Hack, alongside Steve Bartle, brought to you by Nate Wade Subaru, our beloved friends down there at Nate Wade. Still alive and trucking well if you uh, if you need a car, I'm telling you. No better place in the market than Nate Wade Subaru just down there off State Street, in between State Street and Main Street. So um, go down and check them out. They've also got an amazing website, website sorry, natewade.com, that you can just about do anything on um, if you if you want to save yourself a trip. So anyway, Steve, my man, it's good to see your face. It's Yo. good to hear your voice. How are you? What's up, Tommy, man? How are you? Dude, I'm, I'm doing good. good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, we were just chatting a little bit before the show. I'm ready for the snow to be gone. But, you know, outside of that, I can't complain a ton. Uh, spring is in the air. It was like last week or the week before we were out gardening. And next thing you know, we're, we're back hibernating. So this bloody bipolar weather that Utah seems to enjoy this time of year is still lurking. But outside of the weather, I cannot complain. We need the water, so I shouldn't complain too much. But um, have you been hanging out around spring ball, Steve? That's really that's kind of what, what, what I want to dive into today is, is spring ball, my favorite time of year. Uh, have you been hanging out around around the Utah football sure have. facility? Yeah, it been? sure have. Oh man, it's been good. It's uh, it's been really good actually to be back up there. And Kyle Whittingham mentioned he had an epiphany that mm. he should allow media back uh, back into practice and and at least give them you know a little glimpse of practices here and there. And so super excited about that. Not going to complain. You know, I still wish we were able to watch all of practice because you know me, Tom. Like I'm. I'm a sick. I'm just. I'm sick in the head with this stuff. Like I would be up there from beginning to end every day. Like I, it's it's a problem, Tom. I would just spend all my time up there. You're a junkie, Steve. <laughs> You're a football junkie. There's no other way to put it. But um, we love you for that. And uh, and I'm really happy that that spring football is is partially open again. Um, I've kind of expressed my thoughts on it in the past. I I, I don't. I, I think I understand during the season, I can understand why maybe you've got to be a little more careful, but it's springtime. And so, right. you know, a lot of these younger kids are kind of making uh, making some noise for the first time in a uh, Utah football helmet. And I think it's it's awesome for them as much as it is for the for the for the media and, of course, the fan base to be able to experience some of all, some of that. And and from all reports, Steve, there are some young kids doing some things, right? Yeah, th- I think that's kind of like. I don't want to say the headline grabbing news, right? But when you have a team that returns, golly, what, 70% of the roster from last year, a Pac-12 championship winning team, a Rose Bowl birth team, and yet, you know, every time Kyle Whittingham talks, he's talking about the new guys on campus, guys that have only been here for a few weeks. It's pretty exciting, pretty encouraging, you know, that it's, and it's a, it's a strong indication of, the improved recruiting that Utah has been able to enjoy over the last couple of years, uh, particularly this past year. And so it's, it's exciting, man. Jalen Glover, Lander Barton, Justin Medlock, Carson Tabarachi, uh, all names that we've heard pretty consistently since spring ball began. And, it, and that's exciting, right? Like I think that's super exciting that a lot of these young guys are getting as mentioned, uh, are getting mentioned as often as they are. Carson Tabaracci, I'm curious. Um, I just want to confirm, he is playing linebacker, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's dressed in a black jersey. Yeah. Okay, good. Yep. Good. good. Yep. I um so I went and saw him play. In fact, you were up at the game with me. That that yeah. it was a Park City game, uh, obviously last year. Uh and I can't quite remember. It was early in the season. They were playing 
I can't quite remember who, but he had an offer to a higher state and he was planning on going on a trip there if he hadn't already. My memory is is a little um scarce, so I do apologize. But but anyway, when when he when he ended up committing, Steve, to um this is my I have a bone to pick, if you can't tell by my tone of voice. But uh, when he committed to Utah, I tweeted, um, I quote tweeted his commitment and I said, This kid is, is really good. And and look, I, I I'm no guru when it comes to breaking down, you know, line. He played linebacker and he he played running back up at Park City. But there was talk he was going to play some tight end at Utah. I always thought he was a he was a linebacker, just with the way he moved, the way he was he was able to tackle. I mean, very physical kid. And so I said he's going to play he's going to play linebacker, dude. And I had Utah fans come at me, man. So I'm just I just needed to clarify. Like, Who's playing tight end, you idiot? Get in the no. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold your horse. It's like uh, so, anyway, I just need to confirm he is playing linebacker, guys. I, I, yes. I figured he would too. I mean, goodness gracious. And you know, Tom, like Utah recruited him as a linebacker. You know, they recruited him as an athlete in general, but I think they always wanted him to end up on the defensive side of the ball because you know there's you recruit another linebacker from within the state, Lander Barton. He's right. got some incredible gifts, some incredible gifts, and uh, you add a player like Carson Tabarachi to him. I think, I think there was, you know, talk of these guys being the next Cody Barton and and Chase Hansen, like that kind of duo. Wow! And so, pretty impressive, right? Pretty high praise because we all we all know like how good those two were. Uh, and how good they were that that final season together. So pretty high praise, and you know, good for you for uh, sticking to your guns and seeing it the same way as uh, as Utah did. Uh, and so, but man, like it's you know, Carson is a really good talent. Played running back at uh, at Park City. We went to a game. Was so I went to two Tabarachi, two Park City games. Okay, one was against I think Summit. Something they, summit. It was it was a rivalry game, so probably yeah. Summit County or okay. Summit High School, whoever. So you was. were at that one, yeah. And then we went later on in the season to the matchup against Brighton, and so Carson Tabarachi, Lander Barton. Wow, there was it was uh, man, it was a battle. It was an epic battle. Uh, I think both of them made plays. There was one play that I I think really signified just how good these two were, Carson. You know, made a move at the line of scrimmage, juke some guys. I think Lander was involved there, forced to miss tackle, bounces it outside. Lander's chasing him down. Carson makes him miss again, runs to the other side of the field. Who chases him down to make the tackle? Lander Barton. And so it was just an incredible display. And those those two um, are are close friends. And Justin Medlock, the linebacker from Texas. You know, all three of those guys are roommates essentially, and they are doing really, really well so far in spring camp. That's awesome. I mean, so to me, Steve, you know, you look at last season and the success Utah had, and then they they, they did lose some talent to um, hopefully the NFL draft, which we can touch on in a little bit coming up here at the end of the month. But that linebacker position for me is, is probably – you know, the, the one position they, they lost the most with with their two starters, Nephi Sewell and obviously Devin Lloyd, a, 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 a potential more than likely first round overall pick. And so, you know, I, I look at I look at the linebacking group, Steve, and I think that that's a position for me that 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 I'm really interested in to see how these kids develop. They, they wouldn't start and there is talent there. Um, already who, who do you I guess who do you think is going to be the starting 
duo if they do if they do play those two linebackers like they have over the years this season is there any two in particular man it's there's a lot of talk about that right over the last couple of weeks with spring ball starting uh and you know one name he's not he's not one of the true freshmen, right? Yeah. He's He played last year. Kareni Reed Kareni has really Reed. stepped up, you know, according to Coach Whittingham when he's talked to us, according to others. Like, he's really, really stepped up. And so I think he's a, probably a pretty safe bet to lock down one of the starting jobs. And then, you know, there's a guy that we haven't been able to see and the coaches haven't been able to see participate in spring ball uh, so far, and that's Mahmoud Diabate, the Florida transfer uh, fantastic talent, man. Like you look at some of his tape from Florida, from high school, uh, an incredible athlete at six foot three, 225, 230 pounds. Um, just an incredible burst, just a really good athlete. <clears throat> and so he's going to figure into the mix. But then I also think, you know, Lander Barton is, is also in the mix here for one of the starting jobs. And that's pretty, pretty impressive. I have heard really good things about him and just, the the way that he's able to handle things uh, in terms of what his reads, his ability to process information, and what's ha- what's happening in front of him. So when I when we're talking about the two starting jobs, I look at those three as kind of the the three favorites. You know, I think that's kind of the group that's sort of separated themselves. And then you've also got guys uh, Andrew Matafa, Hayden Fury, who have been in the program a few years now, and both of them. Are um, are guys that have stepped up in terms of the leadership and what they bring to the table. So, you know, there's there's a lot of guys in the mix here. You know, we talk a lot about the talent that they've brought in, but there are guys still that you know we we don't get to talk about a lot just because we are so focused on you know some of the the, the four star talent, the blue chip talent type stuff. But I would look at Diabate, Reed, and Barton as kind of the odds on favorites to uh, to win the job there. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's a, look, I think it's also worth noting that um, linebacker is a very complicated position to play. It does yeah. take some time to, to develop. And so for Tabarachi and even Barton, if, if he if he isn't named as a starter come week one, it's okay. You know, a lot of these guys, Cody Barton, for example, um, uh, and even Chase Hansen, you know, they, they spent a lot, they spent at least one season their freshman year playing predominantly special teams. And um, and that's okay. You know, it gives yeah. them time to, to kind of grow and develop and put on some muscle and uh, learn the playbook a bit better so that when their number is called, they're not, you know, swimming in the deep end, trying to, trying to, trying to, trying to float. They're, um, they're actually making some plays, which is, yeah. no, I think, I think Utah's done an amazing job. I, I, I love what coach Swan's brought from Weber state the last couple of years. He's, um, he's a ball of energy and, and the players love him. And I had a chance to speak to him, uh, for a, a decent amount actually at pro day. And so I, um, I trust that these linebackers, these young kids are in, are, are in good hands. And Utah, inevitably, Steve, you know, it's, it's wild because I remember when I was playing that there was Gianni Paul and Jared Norris towards mm-hmm. the end of my career. And everybody was like, greatest linebacker duo in, in the history of Utah. And I think most people agreed. And it's like, well, how, how does Utah get better after that? And then Chase Hansen and Cody Barton come along. And it's like, well, maybe right. they're the best in Utah history. And then they leave and, you know, all of a sudden people scratching their heads going, we've got another hole at linebacker and Devin Lloyd and Nephi Sewell pop out of nowhere. Devin Lloyd in particular, you know, probably the best linebacker to ever come to Utah. Um, and so it just, it's just, you know, it's just forever yeah. merry-go-round. It seems that Utah's producing at linebacker and it seems inevitably at some point in the near future, we'll have another duo named uh, 
most likely named Tabarachi and, and Barton that are just um, yeah. some, not just some of the Pac-12 best, but some of the best in the country, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, right? And I think that's super encouraging that you've seen guys, you know, step up in the place of others moving on from the program. Just an incredible run that they've had at linebacker over the last, golly, what, six, seven years now? Uh, it's And even before that, right? Like the guys before that, uh, before Gianni and before Jared, like Utah's just had a defense that you play linebacker, you're going to be a pretty productive player playing behind that defensive front. And now, you know, they've, I think recruits have started to recognize that, yeah, I can go to Utah and I could be a pretty darn good player playing linebacker behind that defensive line. And so it's made, see, it's made things easier on the recruiting trail, but it's also made things for guys. Made th- it's made things easier for guys, you know, having to fill in for the guys that have come before them. It's they've got this thing down to a system. Coach Swan, as you mentioned, man, like he is just a fantastic person and a, and a great coach. And I think he's kind of proven that over the last few years. There's been no drop off, and the guys have only continued to improve and get better. So, lots to be excited about. Like, obviously, we need to see things, you know, happen, and guys have to lockdown positions, but there's certainly a lot to be encouraged about and excited about with the linebacker position. You mentioned, um, you mentioned the recruiting trail. Last time we spoke, Steve, on a podcast was prior to the Rose Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, before I left the country yeah. for, um, for some time. <laughs> and so we were talking, you know, prior to that, obviously, about what sort of an impact this season is going to have on the recruiting trail. It's been a couple months now, and I'm sure we'll see some, some more recruiting um, news come come through over the course of the coming months, but but what have you seen of the over the first uh, four, nearly five months of of the of the new year? Has have you seen? You obviously speak to guys yeah. as well. Do they bring it up? I mean, give us some insight. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely had an impact on Utah's recruiting efforts, and I think you know Utah's going to do their best to milk all that this can provide them. You know, milk it for all that it's worth, essentially, and so. You look at what they were able to do just a couple weeks ago, landing the commitment of four-star quarterback Mac Howard. This was the guy that, you know, as they evaluated the prospects and their options on 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 the market, essentially, Mac Howard was the guy that emerged as the one that they they wanted. They were in the game with a with a few good quarterback prospects, one out of the state of Washington, one out of the state of Florida, and then you know Mac Howard out of Mississippi. And this is a kid that they only started recruiting in November, right? So this isn't this isn't a, a Peter Costelli or a Jack Tuttle where they're recruiting him for two years, you know, put putting in a lot of work and a lot of effort to to bring him in. But they bring in Mac Howard in for an unofficial visit a few weeks ago, and they're able to lock him down and, and get his commitment, get him into the class, you know, get him committed to the class. And I think that in and of itself is a sign of the Rose Bowl of the Pac-12 championship, the progress that Utah has made. (laughs) It wasn't too long ago when Utah was putting all their eggs in a single basket recruiting quarterbacks. (laughs) I went up to Utah not that long ago. You'll find this funny. And I'm sorry for cutting you off. And uh, I caught up with, with our good friend, Bobby Blacken. Oh yeah. Who's the man in charge of recruiting. And uh, yeah, and and he and I said, you know, he said, I, I was out there punting, and you know, I think it was for Covey at the time, and 
anyway, I went and saw him and he was in the NFL scouting room with coach Bumpfus and another fella who's recently new to the program who I think helps in the recruiting realm. Anyway, I sat in there with those guys and we kind of went through the players that they were looking at in the portal and we were just chatting, you know, nothing crazy, but after Bumpfus had left, bloody Blecken brings up the article again. I mean, they're still not over it, Steve. I made, and I've explained to him, it was an, it, the headline was an error, but you know what? It grabbed the attention. And I guess that's kind of part of my job, but he, he won't let it go. They, they still yeah. won't let that bloody article go. Well, no, I mean, and look at what they've done since you published that article, Tom, they took two quarterbacks last cycle, Nate Johnson, Brandon Rose, and now they get a guy that they've recruited in you know only a few months, less than half a year. I'm about to sneeze. Oh, I can feel it. It's all good, sneeze. Um, but I mean, way, do you do you sneeze out loud, or can you like soften the sneeze? Oh, I I'm an out loud sneezer. Good. I, yeah, I let it. I let it go. The other yeah, day I, I had to sneeze and I sneezed, and and in my head I'm like. It is psychotic to me, the people oh. that can control the sneeze. I cannot control, and I try every time, yeah. just don't blurt spit everywhere. Like, just don't do it. Yeah. It's like, bah! I'm like, oh, I can't not like, do that. How do you not, like, throw out your back or something by holding, like, that's that's what I'm worried about is, like, trying to hold it in and, like, you know, how uh, you Yeah, now, if you need react. a sneeze, just let it rip. It's all good. Okay. I, I can't... Uh, I can't control my sneezes either. And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you okay over there? You all right? So um, uncomfortable. Anyway, no, no, Utah's, Utah's done all right with the quarterback yeah. since then. So Yeah, and I, and so you know, I, I brought that up just knowing that Utah's you know, maybe changed their approach at quarterback since that article. And so, it, you know, pat yourself on, on, on the back there, Tom. Like, no. I think <laughs> – no, Steve, okay. come on now. Okay. All, I right. Didn't, All right. I didn't okay. I had nothing to do with this besides <laughs> some stupid article that came out that I happened to write. Anyway, yeah, no, that's funny. I mean, that's a couple but, of years ago now. My yeah. God. Pretty wild, right? Like how, how time has flown. But you know, getting back to the the impact, you know, of, of you know the Pac twelve championship and the Rose Bowl. I was talking to I was talking to Black and actually I, I was messaging him you know not too long ago. And I asked him just like it it's we it was after our first trip up to practice our first exposure you know where we were able to watch practice and they had a handful of guys they had the bleachers out and a handful of high school kids you know sitting on the bleachers and i just texted them i was like man has that been like that you know pretty consistently during spring it's like yeah it's been every day and um you know i would i would guess that we've probably had three times as many visitors this spring compared to years past so yeah it's and and not all of these guys are utah's top targets right but these are guys that are coming from colorado coming from texas from california nevada that are you know paying their own way to come check out utah and i think that you know is a good indication um and you host these kids you host them for visits you hope you let them put on a jersey let them take a picture like that's that's a, a good thing down the road as well. So there's certainly been a, a big impact for from Utah's past season on the recruiting trail already. I think we'll see it, you know, as time moves forward, you know, more so in, in the committed class. But I think that they've done 
you know, I think they've certainly felt the impact already. That's cool. That's look very exciting time to be a um, a fan of the University of Utah football program. They're um they're flying at the minute. There's no real other way to put it. So um, a lot of visitors, a lot of high quality players interested, and um, and they're on their way up, and they've been on their way up for quite some time. Hey, another position group that I'm always fascinated with um, is the offensive line, Steve. I just think, and I. I've said this time and time again. I think it, I think it starts up front for Utah. I don't think I know, um, and they're going to have to replace a couple of really talented guys. Um, Nick Ford, obviously, being one of them. Bam Olaseni, the other mm-hmm. kind of two high-profile offensive linemen that um, that that are, that are heading to the NFL. Do you have any idea, any indication, you know, what the what the, who the players are potentially that could replace them? If you, is there a starting five that's that's going with the first team? What, what's going on with the offensive line? Yeah, I think so. Returning from last year's offensive line, you've got Braden Daniels, Sato Laumea, you've got Keaton Bills, and then you also have you know guys like Paul Miley, Jaron Comp, who unfortunately suffered injuries, but they're going to figure you know in the mix. And so you know what else? Is happening at offensive line. I think you know one name to get familiar with. You know, if you're a Utah fan and you like talking offensive lineman, uh, is uh, Michael Mokofisi, the younger brother of Filippo Mokofisi, the son of Filippo Mokofisi. Um, you know, he was a true freshman last year and came into the program, worked his way up the depth chart, and he was able to. You know, he got snaps in three games last season with I think roughly 35 snaps in that Colorado game. Um, I can't remember who he who he filled in for. I think it was Keaton Bills that he filled in for at left guard. Um, but 35 snaps and looked good. And so I think he's taken those opportunities this past season, and I think he's come into the offseason really motivated, working hard, and I think he's a guy that's uh, going to figure prominently in the mix for one of those open spots. And so, you know, another guy that's, you know, a, a name to, to remember is Falcon Kamatule. He was a defensive end prospect in the 2019 cycle. <clears throat> they moved him to offensive tackle, six foot seven, six foot eight, 300 pounds, big frame, length. Um, and so, you know, he's getting a lot of time at right tackle. So you've got those guys, those young guys stepping up. And then there are other guys, Zaraway Williams. You know, he's just like Michael Mokafisi. He was a true freshman last year. He's made a lot of progress. He's a guy that Kyle Whittingham has talked about a, a couple of times this spring. Similar to Falcon Kematuli, was a leaner six foot seven, six foot eight type body, but he's added the weight he's needed to, and he's made progress um, in terms of his technique, his footwork, stuff like that. So he'll be in the mix. But I think, you know, when you're talking about the offensive line and how it projects right now, I think you have to factor in Paul Miley. I think you have to factor in Jaron Kump into that. And then also Michael Mokofisi uh, with the rest of them. So I think from within that group, I think is, is what we're going to see uh, kind of be the, the top six, top seven. Uh, and I think that's a really strong group of, of offensive linemen. What's going to be interesting, Tom, like I think – that's an offensive line that will do really well uh, in terms of pass protection. But one thing I'm super curious about is how effective they're going to be generating movement in the run game. That was one thing that 
Bamadelio Laceni, you know, just how gargantuan he was. Like he created a lot of movement on that left side. Same with Nick Nick Ford was really good uh, at the center position and creating movement up front. And so you know, I'm fascinated to see how they generate movement in the run game to, you know, keep these running backs, um, you know, being as productive as, as they have been like full confidence that they'll figure it out, but just curious how they, they go about generating the movement that they uh, are missing now with those two moving on from the program, but certainly a a lot of talent there uh, in the mix. That's good. That's, that's, that's again, um, more promising news for Utah football fans out there. I I just think um, the offensive line is such a, such an intricate position yeah. Uh, um, and it's so challenging from an individual standpoint, but also you must be on the same page and have good chemistry with the other four players that you play alongside of the offensive line. If you can plug players in that, that, that have got minutes in a game before um, to get starting roles, is, I mean, that, that is a luxury in and of itself. The fact that you're not having to play kids that, that just haven't experienced college football yet. And so, that's um, incredibly promising. No quarterback position this year. No quarterback battle, I should say, this year, which is nice. Tavion Thomas will likely be the the uh, the, the first team back. But Jalen Glover, again, when I was up there at Utah, there were there were there were some comments made just how productive he is, how how electric, how fun um, he is to watch. And so I have to assume, barring any injury, of course, he'll see minutes throughout the course of this season. Um, in reprieve of uh, Tavion Thomas when he needs a rest. And then, I, look, I think, Steve, the wide receiving group, you bring back Dalton Kincaid, Brant Keithy, they're going to headline the pass catches. Um, Cole Fotheringham's no longer there, but Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy are more than capable. I think those two are probably the best two tight ends, uh, t- best two tight end duo, I should say, in the Pac-12. Utah probably had the best pack, uh, tight end group last year, and I don't see that changing and then look there's always going to be questions at wide receiver we don't need to dive into that yet we can dive into that in a few months time close to camp but Solomon Enos needs to step up uh, uh, Jalen Dixon uh, doesn't have Covey any more to worry about so he's going to take a lot of uh, a lot of uh, reps at the uh, at the slot position right um, Devon Vele is a kid that has a ton of promise he's like six five I think I mean he's massive yeah. so Hopefully he can be be more productive on the outside, and and I, I think you know that they're looking to bring in a few more guys over the coming months prior to the season, see if they offer anything. You did lose Theo Howard and a few other guys um, at that position, so anyway, I think wide receiver is interesting. It's always going to be for me yeah. um, until we see something else. So, uh, the offense is shaping up, Steve, to be pretty formidable once again. That that begs the question. Um, and, and and people have asked me this, like, you know, what what, what is a realistic expectation for Utah in 2022? Uh, and I tell them, I tell them, I think, the, I think the Rose Bowl is, 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 is kind of the, the bar now, um, especially for this season anyway, you know, college football's strange because some classes you lose a bunch of senior talent and then the expectation kind of plummets, even if you do end up making it to the Rose Bowl and, and winning it, or maybe you make it to the playoff. You know that there's turn that the turnaround is quite drastic. This year, though, they did they did lose some players, but the, the players that they have coming back are still capable, and I think we're going to see that. And so, I, I, look, I think the Rose Bowl is is the expectation for Utah football this year. A lot of people, fans, uh, more so, uh, hopeful that a college football playoff appearance 
um, is 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 potentially a um, a target, and, and it is. You know, don't get me wrong. I think that, that, that there's a chance, um, but I think I think if you were realistic in your evaluation with Utah football entering this year, I think the Rose Bowl is the standard. Um, making it to the college football playoff in the current format with just four teams is is a mighty mighty task, and I don't I don't think Utah can afford one loss personally. Um, just because I just, Steve, I don't think the Pac-12 is that strong when you compare it to the Big Ten and the SEC in particular. I just do not think the Pac-12, especially the Pac-12 South for that matter, is not that strong. You could argue the two worst teams in the entire conference live in the Pac-12 South in uh, Arizona and uh, and Colorado. So I think they've got to go undefeated to make it to the playoff. But, you know, never say never. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think that's. I think that's fair. I think that's that's absolutely fair, Tom. I uh, it's been interesting over the uh, over the last couple of years, kind of seeing the, the the college football playoff. You know, there's a lot of discussion about you know one loss Georgia, one loss you know Alabama, like who gets in among those. And you know, I certainly think that if if there are one loss teams of that caliber and Utah's among them, I'm I'm with you there. I, I think it's. It's a pretty tough case for Utah. But I do think, like, with this schedule, who they have on it, right? You've got Florida. You've got Oregon. You've got USC. You've got Oregon on the road, which, you know, that's going to be a tough test. Uh, you've got the rest of the schedule um, laid out the way that it is. Like, I think, I think there's enough where, you know, let's say Utah does suffer a loss at some point in the season. Like, I think... There's enough here where, you know, depending on what happens around the rest of the, the of the country, like who knows, maybe they will be still be in in the mix. And I think yeah. that's kind of the the benefit of you know coming into the season, and you know Utah is going to be a top ten ranked team. Like there's no that doubt helps. in my mind that helps. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's the thing is that kind of gives you some what a bit of a cushion, I guess. You know, in terms of your potential for the college football playoff, but Tom, I, I'm completely with you. I think the expectation for this team is, you know, Pac-12 championship. I think anything, you know, less than that, that doesn't mean that they have to go undefeated. That doesn't mean, you know, they 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 can't afford to lose. We've seen that in the past. Now, 2019, they lose to USC. They still make it. Um, you know, last season. Uh, you lose what you lose to Oregon State. You lose two other non-conference like that doesn't matter in you know <laughs> in your uh, in your uh, conference uh, games. But still, like you you suffered a loss last year in, in conference play, and you still make it to the the championship game. So I think you know as long as Utah's you know playing at a level that we all expect them to in this team, you know they return a lot. They return a lot of talent on offense. There's a lot of guys that are hitting that point in their careers on the defensive side of the ball where maybe we see them take a big leap forward. I think we started to see that with a guy like Clark Phillips last year. Um, you're going to need that. Like I do think Utah is going to need guys to emerge as those star players like a Devin Lloyd did, you know, in 2020 and then last season. Like I think you need that. So uh, I'm with you though, Tom, like I think championship is absolutely the expectation. If that means a Rose bowl, uh, if that means, you know, uh, at large bit, whatever it means, right? But I do think the Pac-12 championship is the expectation, and and 
the entire focus. And the nice thing is, is like, we don't have to talk about it as, and, and, and it's hype. It's unwarranted hype. Like they've proved, they've won it now and we can just talk about it as if it's business as usual, essentially. So it's, it's nice. It is nice. And and I think you you hit the nail on the head. A one last Pac-12 champion will be in the conversation. Um, but don't give the committee an, an opportunity to, yeah. to screw yeah. the Pac-12 because it happens we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and with the strength of the conference at the minute, you know, all the more reason to uh, just say, sorry, guys, maybe next year you'll um, you'll do better. So. Yeah, um, and now yeah, there's all this talk about USC, and I'm fascinated. You know, nobody nobody really knows what to expect. I think they're certainly going to be better mm-hmm. under um, under under Lincoln Riley, but but I, I do think it takes at least a year, if I not do too. two, to fully implement what he's trying to build. Um, and so I think we'll see see USC at its strength in anywhere from two two to three years. But that's just me, and I could be wrong. Yeah. It's college football. Crazy things have happened. USC could be, you know, back to their national championship self in uh, in six months' time. Who knows? It's college football. It's why we love it. So, um, Steve, the Pac-12 uh, – sorry, the, the Pac-12. The NFL draft is coming up. Uh, we can touch on that closer to the, uh, the actual date. I believe April 28th is when it starts, right at the end of mm-hmm. this month, not too far away. Um, and that's exciting. So, so Utah fans, pencil that. Devin Lloyd should go come day one in the first round. And then, uh, boy, there are a ton of question marks, as there always is, with a handful of guys, Britton Covey being one of them, of course, as to where they fall if they do end up getting picked up. But we'll talk about that down the road. Enough content's been talked about today. He's Steve Bartle, at sbartle247 on Twitter. Check him out. I'm at Tom Cartack at this podcast is brought to you by Nate Wade Subaru. We love and appreciate all of their help. And uh, Steve, it is so good to hear your voice, my friend. I'm yeah. glad you're doing well. And um, send love to the family for us. And uh, we'll speak again next week. Same to you, Tom. Appreciate you, brother. 